Welcome to Boss Files. I'm Poppy Harlow. The focus of this episode is an industry hit so hard by the coronavirus outbreak, restaurants and the millions of people around the world who rely on them for their livelihood. With most restaurants around the country ordered to shut down, the National Restaurant Association says that in the United States alone, the restaurant industry could suffer a $225 billion loss in just the next three months. In a few minutes, I'll speak with my childhood friend, Eric Dayton, the owner of the Bachelor Farmer Restaurant and Marvel Bar in Minneapolis, about how he's trying to do the best he can for the nearly 100 employees he had to lay off while finding a creative solution to help some of them get back to work. It's daunting when you think about the scale of the challenge we're facing. The number of people who've filed for unemployment just in the past week here in Minnesota is approaching 100,000, so it's it's pretty overwhelming, but I think we're, we're trying not to let that deter us. But first, I talked to Danny Meyer, who runs more than 20 restaurants here in New York City, and of course, who is the founder of Shake Shack, and Chef Thomas Keller, who you know from Bouchon Bakery, French Laundry, and several other restaurants across the country. Together, they've had to lay off more than 3,000 members of their staff, essentially overnight. I've been touched by the number of people who were laid off, who faced the worst news they never expected to hear, who have shown grace and who have said, just please stay in touch and please let us know when it's safe to come back and we're there for you. Here's our conversation. Why I wanted to have you guys on is because I want more light shed on the huge restaurant industry and all of the people in our country who rely on jobs, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's front-facing servers, they are out of work, out of a paycheck, and desperate right now. And I know you are both individually doing what you can to help them, so we'll get into that. But I, I really appreciate you both coming on together. I know you're longtime friends and peers. And Danny, you guys run over 20 restaurants. Also, of course, there's the whole Shake Shack entity of it. And then, Thomas, you run eight restaurants. And of course, you have all, all of the wonderful Bouchon Bakeries as well. So um, let's just begin with you, Danny. Um, where, what is the state of your business right now? Because overnight, you had to shutter everything. Yeah, the state of our business is that we're dealing with this multi-pronged crisis, which is that uh, it's dangerous for people to do what we exist for, which is to be with other people. And it's dangerous for our staff members to leave their homes right now and, and to, to come do what they love doing, which is to cook great food and, and serve people. And, and, um, and so that means no business. And, and what that also means is that we're dealing with um, the emotional anxiety of people who live for the purpose of making other people feel good and now are, are anxious about whether or not they can uh, pay their own rent and put food on their tables. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to do something from a whole new playbook. You know, 9-11, um, Thomas, I know that, that you were a star during 9-11, uh, and it, that was the biggest body blow our city had ever taken. But at least within a week or two, the restaurants actually had the antidote to what the city needed, which was the hope provided by being able to bring people together. And now we don't have that up our sleeves because it's dangerous to do that. Danny's point is, is well taken. Um, we're certainly dealing with something we never have. There are over 15 million um, people in our profession. And, and that's just in, in the restaurant profession. We can't forget all of those who supply us. I mean, all of our fishermen, all of our farmers, all of our foragers, all of our gardeners, 
the laundries. I mean, everybody who actually, you know, supports a restaurant as well, not just in the restaurant profession, but who are also supporting it is, is, is hundreds of thousands of people. And many of them, you know, are small farmers who, you know, make butter and they, they only have three or four customers in the, in, in America. And so it's hard for them. Uh, it's even harder for them to try to continue to be part of a restaurant profession, which is completely um, on their knees. Danny, this isn't something you prepare for in business school in any scenario, right? There's no case study for this because it's completely uncharted territory. What are you doing? I know you're totally giving up your salary immediately and indefinitely. What else are you guys doing to try to help all these folks that are out of work now? Well, we've set up a 501c3 uh, fund for our employees, which we call Hugs for USHG. And of course, being a 501c3, it comes with lots and lots of rules and regulations, but that's okay. We can get beyond it. What it means is that people will have the opportunity to apply uh, for funding for for what is now the rainiest day ever. We had been in the process of setting it up anyway because it seemed that on an annual basis, three to five employees would have some catastrophe like a, you know, a fire in their home or a flood or a hurricane or, or they lost the breadwinner of the family. But we never anticipated needing something for everybody. So we did the first thing we could do, which was to seed that fund with some of our own compensation, all of mine and, and a lot of the senior C-level people in my company. And then furthermore, we've been selling gift cards with 100% of the revenues going into that fund as well. And so we're hoping that this fund could be used for someone who said, I want to apply to extend my health coverage. We just need help from the government, though, because we cannot do this all by ourselves. I think something that your listeners uh, may not know is that our industry, 600,000, actually 660,000 restaurants in America, and most of them are independents. Ma and pa restaurants, one-off trattorias and pizzerias and, you know, ice cream stores, and you know, unlike the airlines and the banks and, you know, the big auto companies where there's four or five names and we know them all, we don't necessarily speak with one voice. And yet the impact that we have on the economy in terms of employment, it's massive. And so I think it's just important to understand the role that restaurants play, not just in your life when you go out to celebrate events, but really the, the fabric, the economic fabric of the country. Absolutely. And we'll get into your call for what you're calling enlightened leadership, um, Danny, in a minute. Thomas, you also have an announcement to make in terms of what you guys are doing. If you don't get it, you know, until you get something from some government. Or, yeah, it, it, absolutely right. I think they're, we're, we're all dealing with the same thing. And as Danny's done, we have the Keller Restaurant Relief Fund, which is also a 501c3, again, in the same, in the same vein that what we're trying to do is support those in need, whether it's with housing, medical, um, child care, adult care, um, the basic necessities uh, of their life. Um, we've also, you know, our small community have set up a, a more or less, I, I call it a soup kitchen where, you know, our, our team members can come three times a week um, and get food free of charge that, that we're preparing. And we're in one of your of- restaurants? Yes, in one in one of our restaurants. So we're getting a lot of support from our suppliers um, who um, who have a lot of food that they're not selling through at this moment of time. So they're happy to donate it. The other part of the community that that we touch that come to our restaurants here in, in Yonville or here in Napa Valley, 
uh, and dealing with some of the elderly who who can't you know get to the grocery store, um, who can't cook for themselves. So we're we're trying to find ways to deliver food to them. We have we have cooks. We have young young people who want to volunteer delivery, cooking food, tending the gardens. Um, they all want to make an impact, and that's the beautiful thing about our profession is that we all come together. I, you know, I want to note, I'd be remiss not to note, anyone who can afford to eat at both of your restaurants, for the most part, are incredibly lucky, right, to be able to do that. There are so many food insecure children across around the world, but in, in, in America right now. Is there something innovative, Danny, that you think could be done in a moment like this when the food that's still being produced can't be served in these restaurants to find a way where it goes even more? to organizations that get to the people that need it most? Well, absolutely. And I, I, I really think that that's going to have to come directly from pre-existing uh, perishable and non-perishable food providers. Because I, I, as much as our hearts want to be uh, cooking food in our kitchens, we're being told as of this minute can't. Yeah. that it's not safe to have people come out of their homes and take public transportation and and be within five feet of each other. And I don't think I've ever seen a kitchen where people were not, you know, two inches away from each other. So we cannot wait to exercise that that hospitality muscle where we're taking care of people outside of our restaurants. But I do think that uh, there are lots and lots of feeding organizations uh, throughout the country and I, I do believe that they are uniquely set up. And one good piece of news is uh, from speaking to some of them uh, that the number of, of donations that are coming in right now has actually increased quite a bit. So I would just urge your listeners, um, you know, whether it's a national organization like Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry, or a more local organization like City Harvest, um, or God's Love We Deliver, those are those are in New York City. But throughout the country, there are fantastic organizations that need your financial support, but they're in a great position to deliver food directly to uh, to kids and adults. David Chang, Momofuku, said, he tweeted, we are so effed without a massive stimulus bill. Um, Tom Colicchio, quote, this is the end of the restaurant business as we know it. Is that where we are, Thomas? Do we need a massive stimulus bill bailout? Well, we certainly we certainly need help. Um, there's no question about that. And you know, we've seen in in, in the history of our country, um, whether whether it's the airlines or the auto industry or even the financial industry, um, when when there's trouble, there's there's some aid and some help to help them get through the difficult times. As Danny mentioned, it's hard to imagine the restaurant profession because there are so many restaurants throughout America, and it's really the small ones that are going to need the most help. But yes, um, you know, some kind of government aid um, is is due, and something's going to have to happen in order for us to maintain these these restaurants, which are really the fabric and cornerstone of our communities. Um, we want to be able to open our restaurants once this passes, and if we we lose the opportunity to do that, then the the, the effect that it's going to have on the economy uh, is extraordinary. The, the restaurant profession produced almost $900 billion in sales in 2019. It represents about 4% of the United States GDP, which is, which is huge. Um, so we want to make sure that, um, that we somehow collectively support this industry so that we can come out of it and be stronger than we are right now. Danny, you said if there were ever a time to call on government for enlightened leadership, it's now. 
What's what's your message to Congress, to the White House? Well, I would call it enlightened self-interest because Congress, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you want the fullest possible economy. You want the fullest possible employment. And you want the richest possible cultural fabric. Uh, and I just have to say, I'm, I'm making a plug for our entire industry. Whether you're a small restaurant in Arkansas or a large restaurant in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York, you're part of what makes life worth living. You're bringing people together to talk, to be together, to celebrate, to, you know, to do what we're doing right now. You know, one of the, one of, if, if I could, name one silver lining in this whole thing. The fact that yesterday I got to speak to Thomas on the telephone uh, when he and I don't typically pick up the phone and just say hey to each other. And that goes for five or six other chefs in our industry. And everybody, whether it's your family members, whether it's your friends, uh, the people in your in your business who are now working apart from one another, but it's it's actually reminding us how crucially important it is uh, economically aside to just emotionally come together. And I think that's the role even over and above the economic impact that restaurants will always play uh, in our society. And I cannot wait uh, to get to bring back people who work so hard, not for a lot of money, but because they love cooking for other people. Uh, Danny, the fact that you made a bold move a few, five handful of years ago now to to eliminate tipping, raise wages, is that going to impact the workers in terms of will they be able to claim more for unemployment? Yes, they will. And uh, that part feels good. You know, there's there's an adjusted minimum wage for tipped employees that is lower than the, uh, in, with, with, with the exception of a handful of states on the West Coast, that's lower than the actual minimum wage. But once we eliminated tipping, um, we obviously began to pay well above the minimum wage, and that's the basis upon which our now former employees um, can be claiming their uh, their unemployment benefits. So I feel I, I don't feel good about the fact that they're there, but I feel better that they'll have a higher uh, opportunity to to claim. Danny, is there an anecdote you can can share? Um... I don't know what the the hardest conversation you you had to have this week. I mean, I've um, you know gotten to meet some of the amazing individuals that that lead your restaurants, and you know, um, I just can't imagine how it's been for you having to tell them, you know, this is this is over for right now. You're going to make me cry just saying that. Uh, there's there's been so many hard conversations, um, and you know what I've been touched by. Um, I've been touched by the number of people who were laid off, who faced the worst news they never expected to hear, and who have shown grace and who have said, just please stay in touch and please let us know when it's safe to come back and we're there for you. And, you know, my heart goes out. It, it just goes, my heart goes out. There are people who are soon going to be having a baby and we're looking forward to the happiest month of their entire lives. Anyway, my heart goes out to people who work so hard constantly and who now can't. Um, and we can't wait to get them back. Thomas. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is just the uncertainty of it all. Um, you know, we hear two weeks, we hear four weeks, we hear six months. Um, I know school is, 
is closed probably until until till next fall. Um, so we just don't really know. So it's hard to kind of share with your team any sense of comfort uh, on when they're going to come back uh, or, or what they're going to come back to. And I think that uncertainty for me is is, is my biggest challenge is, is trying to comfort everybody during this process. Uh, Without being sure. able to say, we'll be better in a month right. or two yeah, just, or three. Yeah, just have to continue to communicate with them, make sure that they understand you're thinking about them uh, and that you're, you're thinking about their best interests. You know, Danny, the, the funds that the restaurants are, are establishing now, they're all 501c3s. And it's great because we have a great community of, of, of people who want to support us and support our teams. And that's the most important thing to remember. You're supporting individuals, young people who've lost their jobs um, and who have no sign, have, have no prospects in sight for, for renewal of their jobs. It's not like they can go work somewhere else. They're, they're done until this is all over. Final message, Thomas, to, uh, to anyone listening that doesn't work for either of you or in your restaurant, but is in this industry and has relied on it for their career. Um, what's your message to them? I think I think first and foremost is is stay safe. I think that's you know the yeah. overarching goal for us all. Um, that said, we also have to take care of ourselves and each other. Um, continuing to to nurture one another in whatever way we can find. Um, we want to make sure that our community stays emotionally connected to one another, and and, and those are important things. I, I believe that the the heart and the emotion of what we do is what drives us all, and if we can continue to. Um, to uphold that and, and, and feed it, and then we'll be okay after we come through this process. Everybody that's out there will have a job, and they'll have great choices for, for jobs, and uh, we're really looking forward to that time. Maybe, maybe we can have like a Zoom feast. You guys can cook, and it could be a fundraiser, and people could pay to be at your Zoom table or something That's like a that. good idea. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm in. Make sure you invite me, and let's raise a lot of money for folks. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you. I know it's such a hard time. Good luck. We're rooting for the industry. Appreciate it. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you, Danny. Bye, Thomas. After the break, we'll hear from Minneapolis-based restaurateur and entrepreneur Eric Dayton about his efforts to sustain workers in his community. So now we turn to Eric Dayton, the co-owner of the Bachelor Farmer Restaurant and Marvel Bar in Minneapolis. He tells me how he's trying to help put his out-of-work employees back to work. Hi, Eric. Thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, Poppy. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. I wish it were under better circumstances, but this is the world we, we find ourselves in, uh, and I'm excited to tell people about what you guys are doing. Well, thanks for the opportunity. So back a little bit of background here for our listeners. I yesterday got an email from you about what you guys are doing for the community in Minneapolis and for so many restaurant workers that are uh, without a job now because of the coronavirus crisis. And I jumped on it. A background here, you and I have been friends since, I don't know, have we known each other since we were like seven, eight years old, something like that? I think that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> we both grew up in Minnesota, proud Minnesotans. And you are um, CEO of Askoff and Layson, but also co-owner of the Bachelor Farmer and Marble Bar in, in Minneapolis and employ almost 100 uh, employees, right? In, in the, in the, in the business and in the restaurant business. That's right. You had about a week ago, you had to make the decision to, to completely close all of your food and, and beverage operations. 
We did. We'd, we'd been talking about it for probably a week leading up to the decision. We finally uh, realized it was the right thing to do for the health of our employees, but also, also for the health of the community. Uh, we made that decision on Monday, announced it, um, and, and shortly thereafter, the mayor of Minneapolis shut down restaurants and bars citywide, and then the, the governor of Minnesota followed later that evening with a statewide uh, shutdown. So it all, it all just happened unbelievably fast. I think one of the scariest parts about this for so many of the 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 employees in the restaurant industry that I've talked to is the the unknown in terms of we have no idea how long this is going to go on for for you guys the owners and operators obviously very uncertain but for them many of them work paycheck to paycheck so let's talk about the good news here what are you doing and where did this idea come from well, you know, it was it was my first instinct as a, as a, an owner was to think about what we needed to do for our team. Um, but it was really inspiring to see our team jump to action, led by our executive chef Jonathan Gans, to think about what he and, and others could do for the community. And it was just just to see that to, to see that that was where their minds went in in a moment when you know their livelihoods were being impacted was was really inspiring. And so he, along with a, a couple other chefs and restaurants in the community, uh, came together with second. Harvest Heartland, which is uh, a Minnesota-based food bank, but one of the largest in the country, and put together in, in really short order an initiative to start uh, creating prepared meals that could be served and distributed around the state for families in need. So this is a, a new initiative for Second Harvest. It's certainly something that's new for us. Um, mm-hmm. It's only five days in, but um, they're already up and running with, with what is called the Minnesota Central Kitchen. So people understand, because I think people's initial thought might be, okay, so they're taking you know, they're volunteering, they're helping to make meals for those in need. But this goes beyond that. This is actually about putting those restaurant workers, so chefs of every level and and servers and anyone that worked in the kitchen or, or front facing, trying to put them back to work and actually pay them while giving meals to those who need it. That's right. That's 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 something that's just, just started to mobilize in the last couple of days. Initially, all of these Chefs and cooks who were stepping up were, were planning to do so as volunteers, even though many of them had had just lost their jobs. So again, just incredibly selfless on their parts. But I saw this as an opportunity to put some of these uh, you know really talented hospitality professionals back to work, doing what they do best, which is serving others, serving the community. And so we've now started a fundraising effort that we're calling Northern Hospitality to try to bring in additional dollars for Second Harvest to be able to provide wages for these uh, these cooks as they're as they're contributing their time. Um, and so uh, we've, we've just actually, we're just 24 hours into that fundraising effort. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to announce that we've raised $60,000 in the first 24 hours. And so wow. incredibly inspired by the response of the broader community. I think, you know, so many times it's the hospitality industry that steps up to support the community, whether it's, you know, donating a gift card or, you know, Participating in a in a charity fundraiser and and now the the tables have turned and it's the hospitality industry that really needs the community support and to see the the way that the community has rallied around uh, this industry and you know their favorite servers and bartenders and restaurants and it's it's really uh, pretty incredible. Wow! Some of this was actually inspired by Jose Andres. Uh, very much so. I mean, it's not it's not directly aff- affiliated with World Central Kitchen, but um, Jose is actually someone. Um, who we've gotten a chance to meet through the Bachelor Farmer, and and also who actually came to Minneapolis not long ago to to give a, a speech. And our our chef was at his presentation and was certainly inspired by what he heard. And so I think that was in the back of his mind um, when he started to think about how we as a community could respond to this crisis here in here in Minnesota. 
can you scale this, Eric? I mean, I know, uh, look, you know how to build businesses. That's, that's what you do as an entrepreneur. How, what's your vision for scaling this and how many restaurant employees do you think you can maybe put back to work? Well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's daunting when you think about the scale of the challenge we're facing. Um, you know, the, the number of people who've filed for unemployment just in the past week here in Minnesota is approaching 100,000. So it's, it's pretty overwhelming. But I think we're, we're trying not to let that, um, you know, deter us. We hope that this can scale up to, uh, it's currently, there's one central kitchen up and running. Uh, each central kitchen will employ about 50 full-time positions um, and then be able to serve 2,000 people. So just to in the past five days, this has scaled up to prepare 2,000 meals a day uh, to send out into the community. And, and we hope, if, if funding allows, uh, that we'll be able to scale this up to five central kitchens, serving uh, 10,000 prepared meals a day and employing, we hope, in excess of uh, 250 uh, positions that, that will be you know, uh, putting hospitality workers back to work. So it, it doesn't, doesn't solve the problem in terms of the overall magnitude, but we're going to try to put a dent in it and, and do some good. Yeah, well, it's, it solves a number of problems. I mean, 250 people working versus not working, it's beyond the paycheck, as you know. I mean, it's about a sense of being needed and a sense of community, especially in a moment like this, and a sense of using your skills to help those and all of those meals that they can give out is pretty incredible. I think that's you, right. I think I think it's, you know, everyone myself included feels feels somewhat helpless in in the face yeah. of this and and I think people just want to feel like they're doing something and and contributing and participating and doing good and so we'll we'll you know it'll it'll start at a small scale but hopefully this effort will will you know be alongside others and um you know hopefully we can we can all you know, pull this off we work together. One thing that's important that I don't think is getting as much attention, it's one thing to lose your your paycheck if you're a, a chef or working in the kitchen or a server. It's another thing to lose your health insurance. But that's something that you guys are stepping up uh, to meet the challenge, at least for, for a few months here, as long as you, as you can, so that your employees don't lose health insurance. Yeah, that's right. We we had to make some quick decisions about about you know how to take care of our employees, and as I said, that's where that's where our heads went first. Uh, we've decided to fund 100% of health insurance for our entire team through the end of May, and then uh, my brother, who's my co-owner in this business, uh, we decided to fund payroll uh, for the next month, and mm. that's something that you know, frankly, our business can't support, and I know a lot of businesses can't support that. And, and I know a lot of business owners I've been talking to wish, you know, are doing as much for their employees as they can and wish they could do more. But uh, we made the decision to, to support payroll for the next month. Uh, we don't know how long this is going to last, but we at least wanted to help to, you know, ease the blow and, and uh, ease the transition here to what, you know, it looks like might become a new normal. We don't know exactly what that looks like or, or how long it'll be, but yeah. we wanted to, we wanted to, you know, try to take care of our team um, through this, through this crisis. Finally, where can people help if people are listening and they want to pitch in, they want to help with Northern Hospitality, help put these restaurant workers back to work with a paycheck, where can they where can they go? Yeah, I would steer them to uh, twoharvest.org. It's the number twoharvest.org uh, forward slash Northern Hospitality. And that's where they can contribute to helping put uh, hospitality workers here in Minnesota back to work. Eric. This is great. You guys are doing it. I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. Good luck. Keep us posted. Thanks, Poppy. Stay, stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode of Boss Files, make sure to keep tuning in over the next several weeks as we talk to more business leaders about how they're coping with all of the uncertainty and the challenges presented by the coronavirus pandemic. 
You can leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always find me on social media at Poppy Harlow CNN. I'd love to hear from you who you want to hear from on an upcoming episode. We'll be back soon with another episode of Boss Files. Thanks so much for joining us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.